We were invited to go into the local police station, so we went in happily to go get our papers, and instead they said, we're going to arrest you and hold you for deportation. But Andrew Brunson and his wife Noreen, they weren't going to be deported from Turkey, a country they'd lived in over 20 years as missionaries. Instead, Andrew would be held in prison for two years on false charges. The sense of God's presence completely left me, and I felt abandoned, and I felt the silence of God for the two years I was in prison. Like, where are you, God? You are worthy, worthy of my all. My tears and pain I lift up as an offering. Teach me to share in the fellowship of your suffering. Lamb of God, you are worthy of my all. That's Andrew Brunson singing a song he wrote while in prison for his faith in Christ. Andrew is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association celebrating 70 years of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. This interview with Andrew came from another one of the podcasts we produce here at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It's called Fearless with Sissy Graham Lynch. We wanted to share with you this week for two reasons. One, it's just a very powerful testimony. And two, it underscores the importance of the religious freedom we have here in America. That right to practice Christianity freely in the U.S. is one that Andrew Brunson appreciates, along with the right to participate in the political process. As this episode is recorded, we are on Election Day, November the 3rd. So we don't know the results yet. And whether you do or don't know the results as you're listening, I think we can agree that this is an anxious time. There's uncertainty about the future of our nation. COVID numbers continue to rise, and perhaps you're facing a personal tragedy or an unexpected circumstance. But there's hope. God loves you, and we have people waiting to pray with you and to tell you more about the hope you can have through Jesus Christ. If you need someone to talk to, call our 24-7 prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. Here's what Jonathan Edwards, the manager of the prayer line, wanted to share with you. We're here to talk with you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to encourage you, to point you back to Scripture. And you might be feeling alone right now, but I guarantee you, and I promise you, you are not. And we want to talk with you, so feel free to give us a call. Once again, the number is 888-388-2683. And we also list that number in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. We knew that God wanted us to go to the Muslim world. Uh, We were not planning on Turkey. Uh, It it was not a place we really wanted to go. And in fact, when we got on the plane to go over there, Noreen was crying and thinking, oh, my life is over. I'm going to Turkey. The year was 1993, and a 25-year-old named Andrew Brunson thought he and his wife Noreen were going to serve as missionaries in Egypt. But then... Our church asked us to go to Turkey. Uh, And so we went in submission to that. And uh, we really didn't want to be there. It was more of obedience. And then in the first few years that we were there, God began to put some of the love he has for Turkey into our hearts. 
So it wasn't a, an attachment like a romanticized, idealized, uh, oh, we love Turkish food, we love Turkish culture and all that, although there are things that we like, obviously, but it was much more of uh, a love beginning to grow and that love expressed in uh, a commitment to see the kingdom of God come to that country. The Brunsons would spend the next two and a half decades in Turkey telling people about Jesus and raising three children. Andrew says it was not easy. Turkey is the largest unevangelized country in the world. There are maybe 6,000 believers from a Muslim background out of over 80 million people. So it's a difficult field. And we had been missionaries for a number of years. We'd been involved in several church plants, and there had been threats because of that. And I was attacked by a gunman once, and we'd also worked on the Syrian border uh, with refugees. And so there was some risk associated with that. That's not something that will make you really popular to start churches in a Muslim place. And yet, Andrew and Noreen continued living out the Great Commission. There were good days and bad days, seasons of encouragement and discouragement. Through all of those times, Andrew relied on God's presence and power, and he boldly asked God to use him. In 2007, uh, I, I began to pray in this way. Father God, draw me so close to your heart that you will be able to trust me with the authority to start waves. And we prayed this because in Turkey there were no spiritual waves. And I thought, we want to see the kingdom waves come to this land. So I began to pray. It was a, I was praying better than I knew. Father God, draw me so close to your heart that you'll be able to trust me with the authority to start waves. And this started us in a, in a different trajectory. Uh, and God answered my prayer but in a totally different way than Andrew expected. On October 7th, 2016, Andrew and Noreen's lives were changed forever. We were invited to go into the local police station, and uh, we weren't uh, concerned about that because we had applied for a long-term residence permit so we could live in Turkey permanently without any problems. And we thought we were going to pick up those papers. So we went in happily to go get our papers, and instead they said, there's an order to deport you and we're going to arrest you and hold you for deportation. So this really shocked us. We had been there 23 years uh, at that time, and we really believed that uh, there was an assignment for us to prepare for harvest. And this is what I believe God had spoken to me in 2009, prepare for harvest. So we thought, wait, how can we be deported, kicked out of this country when we're supposed to be here, we have an assignment. Uh, and then, they did arrest us. They held us together for 13 days, uh, the two of us together. And uh, we began to realize that this was not a normal process. Normally, if one is deported, it will take about, for an American, one or two days only. Uh, but they held us. They kept the lawyer from seeing us. And we began to see that something was, was wrong. Here's what was happening. A few months before the Brunson's arrest, there had been an attempted coup against the Turkish government. Thousands of people who were suspected to be part of the rebellion were arrested, and Andrew was one of them. But the accusations they brought against him were completely false. Even so, Turkish authorities continued to hold Andrew as a prisoner. Noreen was released within two weeks of her arrest, but Andrew Brunson would remain in prison for the next two years. The day she was released, they took me in the middle of the night to a different uh, detention center, and they put me into a solitary confinement. Andrew was allowed to see Noreen occasionally, but ultimately, he was in solitary confinement, and there for almost two months, before the government even formally charged him with any crimes. 
Andrew is very honest about how awful that time was. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm relatively toughened up. And then uh, I landed in, in prison and, and I broke. Uh, I hadn't expected that. And I think one of the main reasons that I broke was my expectations. I had pursued intimacy with God, presence of God for a number of years. And I assumed from reading biographies that I would have a real sense of, of strength. I would feel God's grace. And even though it would be difficult, that there would be a sense of joy and especially God's presence. And the sense of God's presence completely left me. And I felt abandoned and I felt the silence of God for the two years I was in prison. It took me into a crisis of relationship with God. Like, where are you, God? Uh, during my easier times, you have been there. And we've had encounters and I've heard your voice and I've been discovering your father heart and to live as your son. And now in my most difficult time, I feel abandoned, betrayed in a sense. Now, God never abandoned me. That's just the way I felt. Things got even worse when Andrew was charged with being part of a terrorist organization and got transferred to a maximum security prison. I'd hit bottom and I was suicidal. And I had been broken. I'd lost 50 pounds. I really had lost hope. President Trump had asked for my release and it had been rejected and instead things got worse. And so I thought, I'm really, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, so I, I spent two years in prison and I didn't know that it would be two years. So if I had known, then I, it would be really hard, but I'd start to count the days. But it was very difficult to have uncertainty. Uh, Nobody knew when I'd get out. I didn't know if I'd ever get out. And the Turkish government eventually was asking for three life sentences for me in solitary confinement. So I thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to be with my children again. I don't know if I'll be with my wife again. As you heard Andrew mention, the U.S. government got involved with his situation. And we'll talk a little more about that in a few minutes. But first, since Andrew mentioned his wife, it's important to know that she chose to stay in Turkey the whole time Andrew was incarcerated. There were people we really respect who said, Noreen, you need to go back to the States. And, uh, and it was very difficult for her to be there also. Our children were in the States. Uh, they were, some of them were having a difficult time. And uh, yet I'm also falling apart in prison and she's the only one who can visit me. And she was the only Christian I had contact with during those two years. And so, uh, so at risk to herself, she said, I will leave if God really tells me, send me an angel, it has to be that clear, then I will leave. Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to support Andrew. Other people around the world were supporting Andrew, too, by praying for his safety and his release. His story was featured in national news headlines, which raised awareness not only of his situation, but also of the conditions of other persecuted Christians around the world. We came to see that actually my being in prison was serving God's purposes because a worldwide prayer movement started. God uh, raised it up. He uh, carried it forward. So he initiated it and he sustained it and it spread all over the world. We began to see all of this prayer pouring into Turkey and uh, slowly began to realize, wait, actually the assignment for harvest is still valid. It's just we're serving it in a very different way than we had expected. But even with that important realization, Andrew still struggled with feeling weak, afraid, and a long, long way from God. Even having a Bible in his cell didn't make things easier. 
that was really important to have the Bible. But I also want to just be very open that reading the Bible uh, did not always encourage me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would read all these verses about the one who endures to the end. And you, you know, <laughs> for the one who is victorious, and I'm saying, oh, God, I don't know that I can be. You know, I, I, think, I think I'm too weak. And even in the Psalms. Uh, you know, I think David, so many beautiful psalms, and, you know, he's in despair, and God rescues him. And then I thought, cynical mind, I thought, yeah, but they never caught him once. <laughs> David was never captured. And so uh, so it wasn't, people may think, oh, did, did you have the Bible? Then that was just, you know, everything's okay then. No, it didn't always feed me. But uh, just even having it in my hand physically, uh, because I thought this represents you know, my family of faith uh, through the centuries, people who've been faithful, uh, who have suffered for him for centuries. So I made a decision, God, whatever you do or don't do, I am going to follow you. I can't fight for my freedom. There's very little I can do, but I can fight for my relationship with you. Even, you know, if I don't hear your voice, I'll still follow you. If, if you don't give me your presence, I'll still follow you. If you don't save me, I'm still gonna follow you. And so I, I determined that I would run after him that I would cling to him. Looking back now, Andrew knows God was present with him, even if it didn't feel like it. And that transformed his faith. I discovered in prison, the most important thing for my spiritual life was a simple devotion. Am I going to maintain just a simple, bare devotion to God where I hold on to him no matter what? I thought after that, well, maybe maybe now I've learned my lesson and now God will... You know, give me his presence. No, it didn't happen. But I came out of there much stronger. And to me, the irony is that I experienced the silence of God in that sense of abandonment. But I came out of there with a, with a, a stronger and a deeper intimacy with him than I had before I went in. Andrew also remembers an important time he spent with his mom, who was allowed to visit him once while he was being held prisoner. And I was just crying and, look, mom, look what's happened to me. This is terrible. And she said to me, she said, Andrew, there's a, there's a long line of people who have suffered for Jesus Christ. And it's a line that goes way back. It goes back 2,000 years. And it's now your turn to stand in that line. And uh, this really sobered me up. And I thought, yeah, there, there are many, many who have gone before me and uh, who have been faithful. And then I thought what, what really inspired me later was thinking there are others coming after me. And if I'm weak, if, I, if I'm not faithful in the end, if I don't hold on, uh, what kind of example am I leaving to those who will, who will suffer after me? The end of Andrew's suffering in prison came in October of 2018. By that time, he was out of the prison but still under house arrest. The U.S. government had become seriously involved in the case, implementing tariffs and sanctions on the Turkish government, which continually refused to drop the false charges and release Andrew. Now, with the increased economic and political pressure, Andrew was taken to court again, and he was found guilty, but sentenced to time served. That meant Andrew Brunson was free to leave. They found me guilty of supporting terror. And so I'm standing there as they're sentencing me. And I thought, oh, all that prayer, all that pressure, they're going to put me back into the maximum security prison. 
it didn't work, and I don't know when I'll get out. So they sentenced me, they convict me and sentence me, and then suddenly my lawyer is saying, okay, Andrew, you've been released. And then there's the mad dash to get us to the airport and out of the country before the president changes his mind and wow. throws me back in prison. So the roller coaster of basically some hours in hell as we think about it. In the span of 24 hours, Andrew was tried, convicted, sentenced, released, leaving Turkey, returning to the United States, and ended up at the White House talking to President Trump. So you understand why Andrew chooses the term roller coaster. Today, more than two years later, Andrew is still recovering from his time in a Turkish prison. He wrote a book about the experience, and he continues to share his story and how his life has changed following the ordeal. People sometimes say, oh, Andrew, you know, I had this struggle, but oh, oh no, it's nothing like yours. And I say, wait, wait, because, you know, we... Your struggles, your tests are enough to knock you out. And my tests were enough to knock me out. I think everyone will at some point experience uh, what we call the silence of God or the dark night of the soul. A thing I, I, I discovered, this is very precious to God, where you say, I'm going to keep on. I'm going to be uh, disciplined and I'm going to read the word and I'm going to continue with my commitment in seeking God, even if I'm not feeling it or getting anything out of it that I can see or uh, this is so precious to God. And I believe the prison experience was ultimately an assignment from him. And he gave it to me because of the years of pursuing his heart. He knew that even though I would break, that I would never turn away from him. Even though I'd be very weak, I would still look to him. I had fear. And I think it's normal to have fear. And the real issue isn't whether we have fear or not. It's what we do when we are afraid. When I am afraid, am I going to stand or am I going to run? And this is one of the things on my heart is to speak to other believers as pressure is increasing uh, in our country now uh, toward people who, who take a clear stand for Jesus, identify with him publicly, uh, and to prepare ahead of time and make a decision that you will stand for him. So that when the situations come that, that make us fearful and we will be afraid, then instead of running, we will be resolute and stand. I want to be found worthy to stand before you on that day with no regrets from cowardice, things left undone. To hear you say, well done, my faithful friend. Now enter your reward, Jesus, my joy. You are the prize I'm running for. Andrew Brunson's story is remarkable in the truest definition of the word. Not everyone will go through what he did. Praise the Lord. As he said, though, we will all have to face tests and trials. In the hard times of your life, whether big or small, we have to be ready to stand for Jesus. Are you ready to stand for Jesus? Or would you like to know more about what it means to be bold and obedient and faithful to God. We can tell you more at our website. It's findpeacewithgod.net. And in just a minute, Andrew is going to share why being in prison made him more like Jesus. Before that, though, you're going to hear from Billy Graham about how we as Christians can be like Jesus in the midst of political division and disunity. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories. 
a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. The devil is busy among the evangelical Christians stirring up division and strife. Billy Graham. There's an attempt by Satan today to spread rumors among Christians of the world, to take text out of context, to break up Christian friendships, to get Christians to accuse each other. The damage and the hurt has been done. It is true that there have been differences of opinion on political involvements. The scripture teaches that there's a great diversity of gifts within the church. We do not all think alike on every question. Let's not let a few misunderstandings and differences of opinion over policy and strategy divide us. Love and love alone is the key to Christian unity. The great badge that lets the entire world know that we are Christians is our love one for another. Christians are to keep the unity of their spirit by allowing love to rule their lives and manifesting a humble attitude toward one another. You might feel that that is not so easy of a task after this election and in the political climate we live in. But as Billy Graham just said, loving each other is the key to living in unity. You can learn more about the love of Christ, which helps us love others at all times at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Our guest on this episode of GPS is Andrew Brunson, and he has certainly learned more about what it means to love and live like Christ through his experience of being wrongfully imprisoned for two years. As difficult as it was, Andrew now has this perspective on his time behind bars. As I'm processing, uh, almost two years later, I'm just starting to see some of what God was doing in my life. Thinking, you know, I asked to draw near his heart. And what he was actually doing was answering my prayer. I'm drawing you close to my heart. I'm giving you so many experiences that Jesus had so that now you, you have those little pockets in the heart, little corners here and there that you can relate to that you never could have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now, here's Jesus, the Son of God, feeling abandoned. And I'm thinking, you know, he let me taste that. And... So now that means there is something now that I can understand about Jesus that I could never have understood if I didn't feel abandoned. Being persecuted for righteousness. You know, Jesus experienced that. Well, now I experienced. I experienced, you know, the slander and uh, false accusations. And Jesus forgave his enemies. And now I got to forgive my enemies in and, and very stressful circumstances. So I, I realized that God was answering my prayer by letting me go through some very difficult things. And we're so grateful that Andrew Brunson was raw and honest about sharing those difficult things with us. Again, this interview with Andrew was first heard on Sissy Graham Lynch's podcast, Fearless. If you want to listen to the whole thing, there's a link in the show notes. I'm Phil Fleischman. We also want to thank Andrew for letting us use his song, Worthy of My All. There's a free download of it at his website. Look for that website address also in our show notes. Thank you for listening. I'm Jim Kirkland, and you have been listening to GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.